This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church podcast. So, welcome everybody to uh, Revolution. Uh, usually I would be um, <clears throat> in a hidden location with Caleb, where we work this, do this service together, um, but I pulled my back out this morning. Being 44 is a lot of fun because I pulled my back out just looking for um, a sweatshirt. I just literally turned and then there goes my back. Um, luckily, uh, the ex has picked up the kids for me for a couple hours so we didn't have too much craziness going on. I know they like to make uh, surprise cameos when when uh, they're here so sorry you're gonna miss a cameo from two super cute kids so today i thought we would do um maybe some question and answer stuff you know i mean we're all stuck at home um going through god knows what uh i know today i was feeling a little bit um a little bit stressed you know a little bit stressed this morning and, uh, you know, what's the word, uh, cabin fever, um, two toddlers the past few days and, uh, it had rained here yesterday, so we really couldn't go out. So we watched a lot of videos, um, before this, I was really trying to be good about not giving them too much screen time, but that's what we're doing. We're doing screen time and then we're playing out the stuff, uh. Milo got to see Star Wars for the first time. And just like me, he pulled out all of his Star Wars toys and was more excited about playing with the Star Wars toys while the movie played. So that was definitely me when I was a kid. How's the sound on this? I'm trying with the headphones this time because I know that Caleb will probably want to use the sound later. So Caleb, I hope this is working better for you. I need to get an old school microphone to hold when I talk to you guys. If this is the future of ministry, being a televangelist. So maybe I'll raise some money. Maybe I'll pick some sort of random thing to, for a love donation. Like, for your love donation, you could get the Lion of Judah for $100. Um, anyway, I'm being a smart ass. Um, so I can see your comments, and we, I wanted to do Q&A today and just talk to everybody about how they're doing um, and see if you have any questions. I mean, it could be anything from my theology to my favorite music uh, to what you're dealing with. Um, oh, thank you. I'm glad to hear that, Bradley. Um, you can hear it when it brushes up against me. Probably because it's under my collar. There we go. Hey, Christy. Caleb always makes me take my leather jacket off because it squeaks when we do service. Um, are you going to pray over the Lion of Judah before you mail it to us? <laughs> yep. Put a little anointing oil uh, and some antibacterial soap. Um, so how's everybody doing? Um, any questions you want to talk about? Anything you'd like to talk about? I mean, I've got my Bible here, um, so I can refer to that as well. So, so yeah, I'm going to open it up for questions and see what y'all are uh, going through. What's going on? Yeah, I just saw that you said you're losing your dad within weeks. That's really tough when we... Who's your favorite nephew? <laughs> that's, that's like picking a favorite child. It's impossible. I love my nephews. They're both very unique and different, just like Minnie and Milo. So we're all stuck at home with no questions. Great. This is perfect. I should give some deep theological talk. I watched Pete talk yesterday, and uh, if you get a chance, follow Pete Rollins and watch some of his videos. They're pretty amazing. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Brian. I think a lot of people are feeling anxiety, Lindsay says. Uh, it's literally worry, fear over the uncertain right now. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, the Nietzsche stuff Pete Rollins is doing is really fantastic. Do I think Carlos Baskin killed her husband or is he just disappeared? 
Um, I have not watched that show, but from what I've seen of the guy, I think it's really hard to hide when you look like that. Um, bad fashion, bad hair choices seem to follow people wherever they go. I don't, I don't think he could get away from that. I think, you know, it would be really hard to, to do that. Okay. While, why in the Bible days, my heart makes, while in the Bible days, my heart makes me cheerful countenance being stuck inside with talking child is making me hold on i have to push the thing to see your whole comment sometimes it doesn't work and right now it's not working so keep your questions short i guess so i guess i have a question for you guys is what type of theology what type of spirituality do you think is encouraging you during this time or in some ways, does it feel like it's become irrelevant to us? You know, has, has, has our faith not been answering, uh, has our faith not been answering the questions that we have? Someone asked, how are you handling this? You know, one day at a time, um, trying to be the best dad I can be, trying to continue to study, reading a lot, listening to a lot of music. Um, I'm near my record player, so PIL's album is really good. Um, I've also been reading. Ah, I pulled my back out this morning, so I'm just in so much pain. Um, Johnny Rotten's autobiography. Um, also reading um, these two books right here. Uh, Insurrection by Peter Rollins, the, un, uh, the unedited copy. And I'm also reading... Uh, Emancipation After Hegel by Todd McGowan, which sounds not like a very fun title, but it really is good. Randley asks, I'm curious, Jay, how do you balance being honest, being honest, uh, how do you balance being honest with yourself about how you feel during these times? A sense of hope at the same time. Reminds me a lot of the Psalms, laments and praises and thoughts. Um, you know, I mean, I've been an introvert most of my life, so it's not been too tough, but it's hard to see like a lot of my friends and loved ones in New York who are suffering and really going through a hard time, um, watching hospitals not have enough ventilators. Um, I've been keeping up with watching the president's speeches or talks, the updates he's giving every day, um, and that's been strange. Because I'm not a huge fan, and it feels like one day I'll make kind of like some progress, and then the next day I'll be like five steps back of like, oh no, we're going to open up the country, and you're like, what? You know, and so that shakes me a little bit, uh, worrying that we don't have uh, qualified leadership in a situation like this, um, and that that puts a lot of people at danger. Um, I, I really am worried uh, about this outbreak, and. I'm afraid if we get a lull and then we all go back out, it's just going to start over again. And, um, that worries me a lot. You know, um, I've been doing online sermons and talks for, you know, most of my life, most of the church, you know, half of the time we've been doing revolution. So I feel comfortable doing this type of work, um, <clears throat> and trying to help and encourage people. But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, hearing these things, you know, and hearing people of like the brothers and sisters dying, people are dying in their thirties. It's not just older people, you know, um, but then the media, I mean, like, you know, it's hard to believe, you know, you get all these different sources reporting all these different things and, and it does get a little bit, uh, it's a little bit frightening, you know, it, it does, it does wear on you a little bit, kind of like, where do I, you know, where do I get my news? You know, it's like for like a few weeks, I didn't hear anything from, from uh, Joe Biden, but you know, it's just because the media wasn't covering him. He was doing some things. I just didn't, you know, see him being covered. So it, it's, you know, it, it's weird, you know, especially that we're going through, uh, you know, through primaries right now. I mean, it just doesn't make much sense. Oh, that's cool. Someone said they're doing, um, Yale's free course on psychological science. And that's been, and helping ground them. Yeah, I mean, taking courses, listening to a lot of great people. I listened to Barry Allen do a, 
um, a podcast where he, he talked about uh, never mind the Bullocks, the Sex Pistols album. Um, he's also a wonderful theologian and kind of talked about the impact that that had on society and especially uh, London in the 70s. And so, you know, just try not to, you know, be distracted, but not to be too distracted because, you know, we're in a huge crisis and what do we do? And, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like as a minister, it's like I don't know how important my job is right now, you know, um, because I think life is suffering. I think life is chaos. I think we have a lot of hard things to go through. I think the Bible's pretty clear about that. I, I think there's a lot of suffering and a lot of turmoil in the Bible. Um, but I think we also get a lot of hope from loving other people, encouraging other people, uh, carrying one another's burdens. Um, but at this time, we really can't be physically close to anybody. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, how do we do that? Um, at a distance. I think we do it by phone calls. I think we do it by checking in with people on um, social media. Um, just sending a, a nice text has made a lot of a difference to me. Um, I talk to my best friend every day and, you know, we talk about everything from politics to just TV shows we're watching to books we're, you know, not reading uh, or trying to read. Uh, it's scary though. We're all in this situation where it's like financially we're all affected. You know, uh, running a church is not, uh, you know, right now it's tough. It's tough to do this, you know, because I'm not meeting with people. I'm stuck inside my house. I'm trying to be a good dad. And, uh, so, you know, you get a little nervous of like, you know, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to, you know, continue to do this? I mean, I've got Obamacare, so I'm grateful that I have insurance. Um, but it's sad for all those folks who don't have insurance. See if we got any more questions. Yeah, some folks are talking about meditation. And um, it's a good time to learn about, to meditate. It's a good time to learn about philosophy and theology. And I concur. You know, this is a, a perfect time. I mean, maybe we can all come out of this quarantine uh, well-oiled machines to teach, uh, to teach and help, you know. And also seek out what does philosophy have to tell us about this? What is um, what does theology say to us about moments like this? Um, and and you know, in our lifetime, most of our lifetimes, we've seen nothing like this. But in history, there have been times like this. Um, but you know, how do we cope? And uh, you know, part of me is like, do I get you know, read a lot and start working out, and you know, or do I just let myself go? And watch cartoons all day. <laughs> uh, does God cr create the suffering? And if so, what is he trying to show us? I um, don't think God has created the suffering. Um, that's not how I see God. That's not my understanding of God. I, I feel like God is more of the ground of being. It, it, it's uh, not a man in the sky going like, oh, I'm going to send this down and see what happens. You know, I don't think he's a trickster or I don't think... He's, uh, or she, whatever. I don't think God has a gender, probably. Um, I just don't think that this is like some sort of test or assignment. I think this is something that happened. I think this is just life. And, and this is uh, when what happens. We interact with nature and things like that. And we get sick. You know, I think it's just uh, cause and effect, to be honest with you. Um, do I think we can learn things from this? Yes. I think we can learn compassion. I think we can learn love. I think this is a great time for the world to come together. Um, I think it's a great time for conservatives and liberals and progressives and things to come together and be able to communicate because we have this, we're all fighting this virus. We're all trying to keep this thing from spreading. And so we have a common enemy, a common, a common goal. And, uh, I hope that can bring us together and I hope it can show us that we're all humans. Um, because I feel like before this, we were all just kind of scapegoating one another, judging one another, saying, Oh, this person is a real Christian or this person isn't a real Christian or, you know, this is the truth and this isn't the truth. And right now we're kind of focusing on like, how do we stay alive? And we're sharing what we're doing to do that. Um, so I think this could be something that really does bring the church together, but also just brings humanity together. And uh, I think in the, uh, even in the long term, I think this is something we'll, we'll look back at and see uh, a moment when the world became a community and uh, we all had to do, try different things, you know, um, you know, if this thing doesn't, doesn't 
this thing goes much longer, you know, we're kind of seeing the failure of capitalism, you know. And uh, someone said the other day, I, I was reading, it's like, you know, well, how do you like this socialism test? And, and for me, I kind of thought like, well, maybe socialism is what happens when capitalism fails. And uh, learning to look at that, you know, we, we've, we've, we've made everything really like, oh, it's bad, it's this. But I think we're learning to think differently. You know, I think it's causing us to think differently in new ways. I was hoping to do this with Caleb so I could get more, uh, he could read the questions to me. Does your dad watch your online talks? I have not seen him on here, but he may watch the recorded talks. I'm not sure. What about the people who are, are, are insist on assembling in churches out of either fear, faith, or listening to poor judgment? You know, I've been thinking about that and I wonder like sometimes if like, I don't, I think it's ridiculous. I don't think it's smart. Um, I think it's putting people in danger. Um, at the same time, I wonder if somehow they're the true believers, you know, if they're there and I don't mean like they're the chosen ones, but that they really believe everything that they've heard. I mean, they've been taught a kind of a poor theology and this like very literalist biblical theology that says, you know, God's going to take care of you. God's going to make you happy. So why wouldn't they believe that God's going to protect them in the midst of uh, an just an epidemic, epidemic? Um, you know, that God would protect them. Um, for so some of them, it, it you know, it, you know. That's obviously why I think sometimes bad theology is dangerous, and that's also why I think biblical literalism is dangerous. Um, because all you know, I think all the disciples, and including Paul, all the you know, they all died; they were all killed. So, you know, they weren't protected from the powers that be, and I don't think we're protected from this virus. I mean, it's like. You know, if you were like, oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to go out and have all the unsafe sex I want. I'm just going to go to the bathrooms and meet people and have random sex and I'll be fine because I'm a Christian. You wouldn't do that because we know that that's, you know, not safe. Um, and this is the same thing is they're just like, you know, hey, there's a virus out there that you can catch. It's like catching a cold. Um, but much, much worse and much easier. Um, and we're not taking the precautions. So, you know, that's to me, it's just ignorance. You know, it's saying, you know, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to stick my hand on this burner in faith and it won't get, it won't burn me. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but I can understand growing up evangelical, how, you know, they would be like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and believe this literal gospel and, uh, and do this. Unfortunately, they're putting so many people in danger. And they're causing the virus to grow. And, uh, you know, I, I, and they're not obeying the law, you know, and they feel like they're being persecuted in the name of Christ. So it's just, it's almost like a no-win situation. Um, you know, you just wish you could just sit down and have a practical conversation with some of these folks, you know, and just say, hey, this is how viruses work, you know. Um, we live in the reality. We live in the real world. We live in a, in a place like that, you know. But they would think that, you know, well, you lack faith. Or is it wisdom? You know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I have wisdom. I don't know. It's probably not the best answer, but I'm in, like, super amount of back pain right now. Um, Ed says, those who know the president know he is trying to give hope and saying he's opening the country back. is that will not last forever and things will get back to normal. Yeah, I mean, I think he's trying to give some folks hope, but I think he's giving a lot of us a lot of fear, um, you know, because we don't want our parents, I don't want my dad to die from this, you know, I want people to have jobs, but I'm not willing to put my dad's health at risk. I'm not willing, you know, my children attend a daycare right now, they're not going, but they attend a daycare, which is a part of a... a a senior citizen's home. So we're not sending them there, um, even though it's remained open, but we're not sending them there because we don't want to put the seniors at risk. We don't want to see people die. Now, I also understand that we have to worry about, you know, if we, we, we went into a depression, 
because I understand that if we went into depression financially, you know, people would get sick, people would die, um, the country would suffer. Uh, so I understand this kind of like this kind of fight back and forth of the idea of, you know, well, we want to go back and, and start business again um, because we don't want to go through a depression. Because I don't think people realize that crime rises, uh, poverty rises, homelessness rises. Um, and so things like that. So we're really stuck in a really bad place. Um, you know, as much as I do not uh, approve of, of Donald Trump, I also uh, would not want his job right now. Uh, I would not want to be him uh, by any means because he's, you know, stuck between like, well, do we, you know, take the country into a depression or do we just stop this disease? And could the depression ultimately end up hurting and, and losing a loss of life as much as this disease is. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's hard when we look at, you know, because if we just listen to doctors, it goes one way. If we just listen to politicians or financial experts, you know, we have another view. So you've got these, you know, these two opposing views. And how do we take those together and, and, and do the best, the best thing? Um, I'm honestly glad I don't have to make that decision. I'm honestly glad that I'm able to be here and talk about theology and philosophy and some type of spirituality with you all, um, no matter what we go through. Um, but yeah, the, the country has, has not a lot of great options, really just no options at this point. I mean, it's just worse to worse. I mean, uh, look at more of a neutral source like AP. That's good. I'll take that. And artists are really holding down right now. Such good collaborations. Yeah. Science Mike. Mike Hagen, Science Mike, has been doing some fantastic job filling the data of COVID-19 and sharing the pertinent info. I haven't listened to Science Mike. Is Mike, is Science Mike actually a scientist or is that just a nickname? I've always, I've been curious. I'm not sure. I haven't done a lot of following of him. Um, Regarding the word holy. Oh, let's look at this. In the Bible, the state, it is a gift from God to us. A lot of things in the Bible are named holy. There is the idea. Holy means separate. But what about holy communion? No, uh, not worded like that in the Bible, but it's definitely a unity thing. Your thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, holiness is something that's given to us. It's bestowed upon us. It's nothing that we can earn or get. I mean, that's why I've always not liked that song, Holiness is What I Long For. A matter of fact, I got in trouble one year at Cornerstone for preaching a sermon that said you can't long for holiness because it's a gift. Um, but I think communion is important, but right now it's not safe. You know, we can't be in community. I mean, that's what communion is about is community and and uh, bringing the spirit alive, and it's just not safe. So this is the best we can do as community. Um, you know, Zoom and things like that. I, I just had a friend do uh, try to do a Zoom event um, about the atonement, and it was really sad because, unfortunately, like I don't know if it was his like people who don't like him or just random attack. But he was doing this Zoom event, and people started posting like pornography all around it, like you know porno tapes and porno videos and I guess they had a really hard time doing this and it was like this attack on him and uh, you know it was really sad to see that because it's like you know this is the way we try to develop community and have conversations and there's still people out there like you know cyber attacking you know people who are trying to have communities and provide services for other people um, so that's was really sad to me hey you have my book well I'm glad you do I hope you enjoy it Met you at Cornerstone 2005. You're still our tough. Oh, yeah. Life does that to you, doesn't it? What's your favorite hand tattoo? Well, I've got two. I've got this, uh, I like answering random questions like that. I've got this horseshoe eye with bleeding tears. Uh, the idea of luck and, and despair. Kind of, what is it? And then I have this cross and i think this cross is actually my favorite um it's a design by eric dressen one of my favorite skateboarders and um it's really simple actually he had it on a pair of socks that he made designed for a company and i just really dug it so i like that i also have um i don't know if you can see it but it says uh life ends 
Um, I like that one a lot too. We've got a lot of tattoo questions here. Uh, consider posting photos of all your tattoos at some point in the future. I know you have some great, meaningful, traditional style work. Yeah, and I have some really crappy work too. Um, or just some really old work. It's kind of blurry, but yeah, maybe I will do that. Oh, thank you for continuing to do this, Caleb and Jay. I live with three nieces and age four. Oh my God, gosh, I feel your pain. Four while we are quarantined. Keeps me busy. Hope everyone is doing well. We're doing our best. Uh, someone posted Matthew 22 free. Uh, let's see. We got another comment here from Fred Knowlton. Hey, Fred. How's it going, buddy? Um, so many of us grew up under the whole rapture dis- dispositionalism theology. I don't uh, behoove that way, but many of my friends are definitely getting excited about the rapture and the end of times from this. I'm definitely having a thief in the night flashback. Your thoughts? I am too, man. It feels really weird, you know. Um, the other day, someone asked me, if, like, what if your dad's Noah? You know, <laughs> and he was predicting us all this stuff, and we're still just all laughing at him. Um, I don't think that's true, um, but I thought it was an interesting comment, an interesting way to think, and it'd be a really interesting Twilight Zone or movie. Um no, but it does bring this stuff back. And I mean, I had somebody tell me that they're like, oh yeah, we're in, um, Revelation six, I think. And we're, and we're experiencing the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. Um, at this point, I don't want to go to heaven with a lot of jerks. Um, I just want to live life and I want to live it well. And I want to experience my children and I want to do, I want to do my work. And, uh, I hope this isn't the end times. I don't believe really in the rapture. So, um, I think that's, I think, honestly, I believe Revelations was written in code for people, the things that were already happening at the time. And uh, so if that book was found within their homes, they would not be destroyed or killed. So I've always believed that that's what Revelation is. I don't think it was a prophecy book. I think it's the book of, uh, gosh, the book, it was called the book of the condemned. And so that's Revelations for you. Um, it's more of a look back on, on a history or, or, or almost like a, a radical, like, like, you know, rebel book of, of the things that were happening and trying to point out churches, but write them out in code. So no one, no one kills you for having that book. If God called you like Isaiah to preach naked three years, (laughs) would you preach naked? Um, probably not. I hope God doesn't call me to preach naked. If so, then I'm going to spend more time working out. Here's one. There's a major problem for the people who believe in God is the action against. John Piper wrote a piece this week about, oh man, that's a name I haven't heard in a while, about how this is the work of God, though he didn't seem to know for which purpose. God as an active agent really results in cognitive dissociations. I'm killing that word. In these situations, I just hope that dissociations can be transformed and crippling. No, you're right. It can be crippling. And what, 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 uh, what's really, really tough about this is, is we have a lot of people, uh, who, I think we have a lot of preachers who suffer from mental health. Now, I, mental health issues, and I do too. And that might be some of the reasons why we do this type of thing or why we're art, kind of artists and things like that. Um, and I think sometimes there's some delusion, delusion that goes along with, um, people who suffer from delusion or like narcissists, but not like, Oh, they're such a narcissist, but like literally like narcissistic disorder, um, which is a mental health disorder, um, that people are sometimes drawn to this work who suffer from those disorders. Um, so I think we have to be compassionate with that, but at the same time, be very weary of that. Um, it, it's really, really tough. Are you on Roku? I have a Roku. I just haven't set it up yet. Um, I remember an old podcast from Revolution reading from uh, Lisa where your mom was uh, guest discussing the Ten Commandments and the reason God put them. Yep, that was a really good one. <laughs> my mom started the whole end of time thing on the phone with me. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with my dad a few weeks ago and I mean, it's really weird because, I mean, I did sit down. I have had many conversations since my dad was imprisoned. You know, we've had a few conversations. I mean, this is the type of thing he told me would happen one day. Um, 
you know, I don't think we've seen a run on the banks yet, but that was one of the big things. But he was like, you know, grocery stores are going to be ransacked. There's not going to be enough. You know, there's like supply and demand is going to be out. People are going to be sick and dying. And, you know, and I remember thinking like, yeah, dad, okay, that's great. You know, I'm just going to preach grace to people and hopefully they'll get love. And yeah, but this has happened, you know, so that's really bizarre, you know, um, and so it's funny because he's always been ridiculed for brain being, being uh, this like this uh, like end times survivor. He's like a, a survivor person, you know. He believes in all the survival stuff, and you have to have a bunker, and you need to have food supplied, and things like that. And um, has always been mocked for that. And then it's funny to see like now people getting mad at conservatives who like didn't take it seriously and didn't prepare and didn't do things like that. You know, it's like, we're never happy with anyone is one thing I've learned in this world. We're never happy. And then there's people saying that my dad's trying to sell a cure to, for coronavirus. And I watched the video and I don't think that's actually what he was doing. I think he was just acting, if asking if it could help. But, you know, I've learned trying to defend my dad does nothing but get people mad at me. I, I, I don't usually do it. I did it the other day and someone blocked me for it, you know, and I was just saying, I disagree with everything he's doing. I don't like the fact he's selling stuff. I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. But the fact is, is I don't think in what he's getting, I'm like, there's other stuff you can disagree with or, or, or judge him for or that he's not doing that I agree with. But this one, you're kind of missing the boat. But, you know, that's been my whole life, you know, watching the media do that and watching people do that. So, you know, what do you do? You just kind of live life. The bubonic plague was at, yeah, 1918. I had a conversation with my dad about that. And uh, the second part was really bad, and that scares me. Um, common sense, stay home if you can't say something nice. <laughs> yeah, I would say common sense just to stay home. And if you can't say something nice, just, I guess, go on Twitter, because that's where you can say mean things, or go on Facebook. That's actually where I get most of my negative comments. No, honestly, though, I think we could be better at social media as well. Um, I just got a... Caleb, you just sent me a text, but I can't read it while I'm doing the, the video thing, so I'm sorry. So if it's a super private text, don't send it here. Oh, there's Caleb. Just smart dude. Reconverted by Rob Bell. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it still makes me laugh. Um, science Mike of the liturgist. Liturgist. Yeah, I, didn't he just leave the liturgists and that didn't happen? Science Mike is a nickname that Sir Heath gave him. Okay. He is not an actual scientist, says that he isn't all the time. He's just wicked smart and compassionate communicator. Very cool. If I were to try to read the Bible, something I've never done, what version would you recommend that I would read it, read it in? Um, well, or order. Oh, hey, Zoom has been hacked and they are having all sorts of issues. The teacher and we had to stop using it because we could, could you imagine? I found out. Okay. Well, this is the, I use, um, the new revised standard version. NRSV because I think it's the most accurate, but it's also not the easiest to read. Um, I find that the easiest to read is the New Living Bible, um, but it is paraphrased, so it's not a word-by-word -word translation. It's a thought-by-thought -thought translation. Um, not incredible, but very easy to read and very good uh, way to get started, I recommend. Like It's so funny, all my the verses that I've uh, memorized are memorized in the New Living. Um, it definitely rolls off the tongue a lot easier. Um, so I think that's a good place to start. I would say just get an NRSV and a new living and kind of read them next to each other. Um, you know, good commentary is nice as well. You know, um, people get confused. I'd say start in Galatians. That's my favorite book. And you can listen to our Galatians thing, especially I think Galatians is like chapter five or six. It gets a little iffy. I think it's chapter five. And um, I think uh, listening to one of those would help as well. Um, can we get an update on Caleb's ankle? 
Alo, Kalo, give us an update. I know he's doing better. I saw him last week when we did service, um, but he's still up in bed. He's still got stitches and a bunch of stuff. He doesn't have metal sticking out of his leg, but he's doing better. Um, I'm pretty sure he probably still needs help financially because um, this is a really tough time for him um, to be out of work. And he's a hard worker. And the guy works his ass off. And I mean, you know, I was over at his place and we did the revolution podcast. And then we did another podcast and, uh, he's a producer for both of them and, uh, really made it happen. Do you think the pandemic will make us better as people? I, I hope so. I don't think it can hurt. I think we've been kind of really just heading in this very divided country. Um, you know, I mean, it's awfully a horrible reason and a horrible thing to bring us together, but I think it could help us. You know, I think we're all remember this and uh, maybe take each other less for granted. Um, hopefully maybe change the way we do politics as well and see the political system and and take that more seriously, but at the same time, not use it as such a tool to ostracize one another. And maybe we can start to understand and empathize with each other and why we do and why we think certain ways. Um, because we realize it's important. It's a life or death situation. And it always has been for a lot of people, especially low-income people, people of color, LGBTQ people. Um, you know, so I think it's, it, it's something that maybe, um, people on the top, the chain can start to realize like, Hey, you know, look at what everybody else has been going through as well. This is, this is not new for people who have, uh, been in this country, you know, low income, poor, we're poor. Who would win a theological fight, Paul Tillich or Martin Luther? Uh, well, if you're talking about Martin Luther, the reformist versus Paul Tillich, I think Paul Tillich would win because Paul Tillich has, first of all, all the understanding of Martin Luther because he's a Lutheran. And then he has uh, hundreds of years of more learning and growing. So I would say Paul Tillich would win that that argument. Luther, he drank a lot. Oh man, if I wasn't a recovering alcoholic, I'd probably be drinking a lot. Um, yes, Fred, I would love to get together with you. We've got lots of things to talk about. We got to figure out how to get people to talk and argue well. Look, Simon just said they take silver for a lot of things. So there you go. Do I have any suggestions for coping with anxiety, depression while isolating? Yeah, talk to friends. Um, reach out to people. Um, read books. I know I get more stressed when my house is a mess. Unfortunately, I've got two crazy toddlers, four and a half and two and a half. Um, so the house isn't clean a lot and I'm like not the cleanest person in the world either. Confession, I'm kind of a mess. Um, but just little things like that. And for me, I, I, I spent a couple of years going through dialectic behavioral therapy and learning to let thoughts just, you know, kind of be like clouds and kind of move through and not just sit and, 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 and constantly focus on those things, uh, on the negative. So letting things go by, but also, you know, I'm finding friends to have a laugh with, um, you know, getting lost in a good show or movie, you know, I mean, I love punk rock. So I'm reading about punk rock and just kind of learning more about that. I've also wanted to write a book about theology and punk. So I've kind of used that as, an, as something. Um, but yeah, just, you know, texting with friends or, you know, I'm so introverted and I have, you know, like, I don't like to talk on the phone much, so it's been kind of hard. Um, but I have a few people in my life that I really care about and, and, and seem to care about me that we, we do communicate well. And me and Pete Rollins talk on the phone once a day at least. So that's helped a lot. Um, and just checking in. I mean, just having somebody like, Hey, just checking in on you, seeing how you're doing, you know? Um, can kind of help take you out of yourself. I think that's a principle I learned in the 12 step program is that, um, helping others also helps you. So actually the action of helping others can be a, a selfish act, but a healing act and it actually helps both. So I've always kind of liked that. Got to go now, Jay. All right. See you later. Oh yeah. We definitely want to, um, do a meet your congregations. This will be a great time to meet your congregation, um, videos for revolution to get some of you guys to go on to Instagram and send our uh, revolution a DM and talk to us about doing a meet your congregation. We really want to get some folks out there and how can we link each other together? You know, we want to like get like your, 
Instagram handle and your Twitter handle and your Facebook handle and put that on there as well if you're comfortable with that so we can start community because right now, I mean, this is community. It's kind of like we were ahead of the curve and that's really nice. Um, and we want to continue to do that and continue to build the community because who knows how long we're going to be quarantined or not. Um, I'm an introvert, so I should be quarantined in, in, for the next 20, 30 years of life. But you don't have to be, hopefully. But it's still a good way for us to become community and talk to one another. So uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, it is. It is. Thank you, Ray. It is strange. Um, like my dad, um, I just told my dad, I said, why don't you just release um, the transcripts of what you said and just write a letter saying you didn't say that. And he said that his lawyers recommended him don't because the city might try to arrest him. So pretty weird, right? But would Luther admit defeat? These are the burning questions. I don't think Luther would admit defeat, but maybe Luther would be proud that Tillich built so much on his work because Luther was building so much on Paulinian work, and I think Tillich has built a lot of Paulinian work, and I think he built off a lot of Lutheran work and a lot of other amazing philosophers and theologians. So he might just be like, oh yeah, without me there's no you. Um, please write the book. I would definitely buy that. Hey, I will write that book if we can get a publisher to to help me write that. I've got a couple books. I want to write a, a sequel to the to Son of a Preacher Man as well. Um, and I really would like to write re-release Faith and Doubt as well and do the, um, you know, basically Grace is Anarchy and, and the Christian uh, uh, theology and punk would, would be something. I, I, I definitely want to do it. Um, and hopefully I'll have that opportunity. Uh, seems like everything's been put on hold, though, you know. I've been doing major motion pictures about my family and things like that, but it seems like everything's been put on hold for uh, for now. So we'll just have to wait and see. But if there's any publishers wanting to sign some people for the future, I'm there. Good morning from Canada. Oh, fun to see you in the space. Is that the shirt you're spray painting? No, this is not the shirt I'm spray painting. Um, but I do have a shirt. Uh, Dickies makes my favorite cotton, makes a cotton shirt. Um, they're only making it in khaki right now. And honestly, khaki, if you see my face, is pretty much khaki blends in, so I just thought I wanted to try something punk rock. I was going to dye it, but then I thought, oh, just drummer would pun it, paint it. So um, so I painted it. So hopefully you'll see it soon. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to need to wash it a few times because it's very hard. It's very, like, very, uh, very crispy. I, I hope I don't end up looking like I'm wearing some weird tie-dyed shirt, but we'll see. Hey, Ottawa to Canada. I love you guys, too. Hey, San Francisco. How are you guys doing in San Francisco? It's got to be crazy out there. Not hearing a lot on the news. Um, I love San Francisco. There's one place I wouldn't mind living. I couldn't afford to live, but I wouldn't mind living. Got to go. All right. See you later. I like how people sign off. That's nice. Do you feel with a pandemic, 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 and the required social distancing, will it change the church, make it more online, Zoom, face? book, live, etc., IG, etc. Maybe the church we know hasn't changed. I hope so. You know, I mean, I always thought the televangelists were on to something. I mean, it is in my blood, I guess. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who felt that that was a church. And it's so funny that people were willing to watch like crazy televangelists, you know, people like John Lennon and Elton John and different folks like that who watched my parents and obviously necessarily didn't agree with everything, but they found something there. And I think now that we have this type of platform, I think it allows people to find other things. Because I just don't think there's a lot of people who want to go to church anymore. And I think maybe um, live, Instagram live, Facebook live, I, you know, whatever, etc. And podcasting could change the church. And um, almost like the church would be this underground thing. Um, but it would create church people who are actually part of communities that just aren't churches. And I think always had an issue with the church thinking that they're the community. I think that's the problem with the church is we build a church, build the coffee shop, get the gift shop, and this is the community. And we want you there three or four times a week. And I don't think that that's what the church was ever intended to be. I think the church is supposed to be a part of the community, like Mayberry. You know, like there's the church, there's the barber shop, there's the police station, there's the clothes shop, you know, there's a tattoo parlor. I don't think they had a tattoo parlor in that, but you know, we're all a part of a community. 
And I think it, what it does is encourages us to take our spirituality outside of the church, outside of that, and share it with other people, and not in the way like, do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? But, hey, I've been thinking about this. You know, what do you think? Does God exist? Well, let me think. I've heard this sermon the other day, and we had this talk, and I've been thinking about it. You know, so I, I think it's important, and I think it could revolutionize the church and maybe be a nice Hail Mary in order to save the church because so much of the church is dying. Oh, thank you. Someone liked my book. Why are you touching your face so much? It's a habit or sending the signals, not trying to offend, but just very noticeable. I will tell you why I'm touching my face so much. Because I have a beard. And I have this, like, I like a texture thing. I have this weird texture thing. And I used to have a long beard and didn't touch it as much. But now it's shorter. So I'm constantly, like, touching it. But don't worry, I can promise you before I started... Took a shower today for you guys. Um, and I washed my hands a long time with antibacterial soap. So, but yeah, you're right. It's a bad habit. I touch my face, but it's also because I'm talking with my hands and it's also because I have this much space for you. So I'm talking, I'm talking and I'm like, hmm. But yeah, maybe I'll try not to do that. Um, <laughs> touching my face. Um, does the church need to be saved? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see it become a better place, a safer place for people. Uh, Preston asked, you know, does the church need to be saved? I, I think people, like, when I look at people, like, uh, I, I just think there's a lot of amazing people doing a lot of amazing work, and I'd like to see their voices rise, you know. Uh, so maybe not, maybe not certain type of churches don't need to be saved, but I'd like to see the church saved. I love the church. It, it's important to me. I think it's an interesting thing. Um, but I think it needs to be reformed, and I think it needs to be challenged, and I think it needs to become something new and something different. And I think the church, yeah, I think it needs to to evolve. I think it needs to get outside of buildings, you know? I think it needs to maybe get outside of that Sunday service building situation, even though we're in that, you know? But we do it probably because we feel like we're supposed to. So, yeah, I think the church needs to be evolved, and and and, and I think, you know, we need a, a reformation in the church. So yeah, I want to see the church survive, but I want to see it in a different way. I want to see it where we're people who are, who are intellectually hungry, um, theologically hungry, um, but also loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving each other, caring for one another, um, and taking those different complex ideals and, and really making them happen. And, and, you know, and maybe it'll be one group is, you know, a theological group. Another group's a philosophical group. Another group is more of a social justice issue group. But being able to work together in the same issues and, and, and do it through online meetings and talking to one another and, and communicating with one another. So I believe the church needs to change. I don't, you know, should it be saved? Yes, it should be saved, but not in its current form. I think its current form is, is not working. And so I think there's other ways to do it. Hi, Jay. What are your feelings and the concept of spiritual battle here on earth? I'm not super evangelical, but um, for me, spiritual battles are just constantly motivating, changing my theological thoughts, dealing with other people's theological thoughts. Um, I think something's going on, um, but I, I, I don't really have a great answer for that just because... Um, I don't think that way anymore. Um, I think a lot of our spiritual battles are, are, are stuff that we brought upon ourselves and we've created a different gospel. And uh, how do we strip that? Maybe that's the great battle. How do we strip a gospel that's not the actual gospel that pretends to be the gospel? Um, and also, how do we learn how to just sometimes ignore things that are so ridiculous and over the top that we just let it go. Like, it's not worth the fight. I think there's some things that I make, like, we just sometimes attack the obvious when there's so many other things that have these subtle negativities and subtle, subtle, uh, subtle hurts and subtle pains, you know, things that are people who are doing legitimate work, but they're also doing things that might hurt others. And I think those are things we should look at more, but instead we get focused on someone like, you know, a preacher who might seem like a Trump type character. And we think, Oh, you know, I think, is that really where our battle is? I mean, it's just easy targets. Uh, sometimes I think it's lazy thinking. Um, what my hope is, is that, 
you know, we can't even have arguments anymore. You know, we don't want to argue with one another. I mean, I, I questioned something that, uh, about Joe Biden the other day online and people got mad at me. Like I can't even talk like politics and I'm a Democrat my whole life and I can't talk about a Democratic candidate, you know, because you know, everybody just is so afraid of Trump that I can't have a political, different political view because I have very different political views that I don't really bring here because I'm kind of going in, into a mix of things. I'm, I'm kind of going through a transition and I don't want to deliver that all here and, and confuse everybody. But, you know, we've got all these rules. Legalism is just a sucky thing. I just don't like legalism. I don't like legalists, Christians. That's how it started. I don't like legalist atheists. I don't like legalist Republicans. I don't like legalist Democrats, you know, I just, legalism is not my thing, you know, because I think it keeps us from having conversations and from growing and becoming better people. And, uh, I mean, Jesus was constantly having conversations with Pharisees. Even if he was rebuking them, he was having conversations. He was sharing meals with them. Um, Paul was saying, no Jew, no Gentile, no me, afraid, no slave. We're all one in Christ. Like basically you can all sit down and have these conversations together. And, uh, that to me is, is a pretty powerful thing. And I think that's what we should be aiming towards is, is, is a community, a diverse community that is willing to have these hard conversations. Um, some of the greatest stuff, uh, one of the greatest times I had last year was at Wake conference and sitting down with lots of people that I did not agree with. And some people convincing me of things that I'd never thought of or that I didn't think I would think, but also just having hard conversations that did not reflect in any way, how we felt about one another. Like, we still had a laugh. We still had a good time. But it still got tense at times. But it was like, you know, it was, oh, I don't drink, so it was over a Diet Coke and a beer. But it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And I kind of have a hope for that's what I want to see the church change into, is a place that knows how to argue well. And knows how to use, use humor, you know. Lighten up a little bit, folks. We, we've got to... Humor can sometimes be a great uh, tool to disarm one another. And, uh, you know... See, see our, see our shared humanity. I mean, definitely the virus is letting us show that we're all humans. Doesn't care what color, creed, religion, sexuality, doesn't care. Beards are touchy. Yes, they are. Um, but if I shaved it, I would be touching the smooth skin or the wrinkly skin. I don't know. It's been a while since I shaved. What is the God can do wrong, no matter how small or large the disaster there is? He's never blamed. Well, I mean, some people are blaming God in just uh, interesting ways. They're saying, oh, God did this to show us that we're, I think it was Franklin, uh, Billy Graham's daughter, that said we're too secular and that we have to get away from secular. So they do blame God, but they just say God's doing it for our own good and punishing us. And the hard thing I have with this is that I know that majority of those people believe in atonement theory. <laughs> I have issues with atonement theory, but they believe in atonement theory. And if you believe in atonement theory that Christ paid the price for our sins on the cross and did it all, then why has God changed God's mind and said, well, you know, Jesus' death was okay, but it's not quite good enough. So I'm going to send a plague again to show you this. We don't realize is that was the game changer for people who believe in that narrative is that Jesus took all the punishment for sin. So there would be no more, you know, he said next time the world will just be gone in fire and that will be it. So there's, there, it doesn't make sense, especially then to be like, okay, well, we want the world to be less secular. We're going to, you know, mostly kill elderly people or like when um, they had the floods in New Orleans. You know, like, well, it's all the, the debauchery in New Orleans, you know, and God sent those floods. And I, I, I said to somebody, I'm like, well, you know, the French Quarter was fine. So God just killed a bunch of poor African-American people to show that he was pissed or she was pissed. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So uh, I always like look at people's theology and just go, it doesn't, it doesn't line up. You know, you're, you're making Christ's death in vain when you say that Christ is sending this as a curse or as something to teach us something. You know, it's just saying like, oh, Jesus was plan B or, and that one didn't work out. So maybe I need plan C or plan D now, you know. Um, so if these folks are so like the blood of the cross and Jesus took care of it, then, you know, we just don't believe in, 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 in the natural workings of the world. 
You know, we don't believe that the universe is chaotic, which it is. And if you're a creationist or things like that, then you have to believe that God created a, a world that is chaotic and that has faults and that, you know, things like that. I mean, you can justify how earthquakes happen or tornadoes or things like that. I mean, those are the hard ones. But people often say God sent those, which is lazy to me. Um, you know, or you can get creative and be like, well, it's because we haven't taken care of the earth and that's why there's more of this and then that. And so it's really humans causing all these problems. I mean, you can, you can argue it out all day long. Um, I don't have that much time today to do that. My back is hurting so bad right now. I'm sitting on the firmest, like firmest thing I can right now, trying to sit up straight because as soon as I have to stand up, it's really going to hurt. Uh, trying to pick up toys is really horribly painful. Um, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling a little bit tired, a little bit weary. Um, you know, I just want people to be taken care of. I want people to be getting, getting the need, uh, getting the medical help that they need. Um, like everybody else, I just want to see this virus go away. Um, and I'm really excited about hopefully everyone in the world having a, a new appreciation for life. You know, think about walking into that movie theater for the first time and how we took that for granted. You know, how we took granted the, the people that work at McDonald's, you know. Um, I went through the drive-thru the other day, and I, and I think to the person who took the money, I thank the person the thing. I'm just so grateful that those people were there, you know, especially when you have kids and you're just like, oh, my kids want these pancakes, and let's go, you know, they love McDonald's pancakes, and and uh, being grateful for that, you know, being grateful to all these people. It's all these little things that you just took for granted because we were in a hurry, 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 you know, and realizing that we all are interconnected, you know. It's really amazing. You know, it's funny that like the billionaires are the ones that are kind of like just hiding away right now. But the real people we're we're all interconnected and we're interconnected with the billionaires too. You know, we're all humans going through this situation together. And I mean this this virus shows us just distance, just germs and just everything that we share. You know, we are a human community. Yeah, transformations are challenging. I grew up a Catholic. Jesus freak. No demon evangelical Lutherans. <laughs> and now, and now husband and I just started attending Unity We Live. Oh, cool. All right. Thinking about the concept of church, but that's hard to discuss here. Yeah, it is. But maybe we can do a special chat on that or we can, you can DM me on Instagram. Sending love from San Francisco. Come visit us again. I would love to. You may have answered this already. Just noticed you were live. What's the most important thing the church can do right now with all the difference we can agree on this or on this climate? I think the most important thing the church can do is tell people to wash their hands and stay six feet apart from each other. Um, do online sermons. And, uh, encourage people to be wise so we can end this thing. I honestly do. I mean, I just think it's just, let's just toe the line right now. Just say, let's stay in folks, you know, and let's let the essential workers do the job that they need to do. And, um, you know, let's make sure people are taken care of. Let's make sure the elderly are, are, are taken care of. There's interesting ways to do that. If there's sick people, you know, Hey, get some groceries, drop them off their front door, um, feed people. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that the church can do right now. Um, you know, I think about all these like giant churches that have millions of dollars, especially a lot of mainline denominations where they have these buildings and they have like 18 congregants and they have millions of dollars saved in, the, in there. Yeah. Maybe take some of that money and, and, and start outreaches, you know, or even crazy enough, if, if you believe in the church, maybe take some of those finances and help smaller churches who, who may not survive this. Um, you know, we really could be a community of believers and help one another out. I and mean, that's what Paul is constantly dealing with is, is, is getting these churches to help one another out. And these churches would literally send gifts to other churches to help them. And I don't say that just because I run a small, poor church. I mean, I wouldn't deny that if, if someone did it. But the fact is, I think, you know, there are ways to help people. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just helping someone get cable, you know, or, 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 or get online or get a cell phone. I know this isn't a sermon, so I, I apologize, but I just wanted to do a Q&A today because I've been with my kids and I just didn't have time to prepare a sermon. So there's the secret. The secret's out. Uh, let's see if there's anything else before we shut down. 
I was a legalistic Christian and then a legalistic atheist before I got to the blurred space I'm in now. Yeah. Yeah, Ray, that's a cool thing, man. Big blurred spaces, that kind of gray. I kind of feel like I live in there too, you know, because sometimes we often just trade one certainty for another. You know, we don't really change inside. We just get another mode of operation that keeps us moving and being our belief system in structure and, and within a tight structure. And, and sometimes it's just nice to move out of that and go, I don't know. Do you have any recommendations on books about women of the Bible? I've always been interested in the women's roles. Uh, I have some behind me. I just don't remember their names, um, but I'll try to post them up later. Have you heard of the New Testament? Hope you're well. <laughs> Thank you for all the love and niceness. I'm just going to go through a few more and see if there's anything else. Are you taking care of mentally? I am doing pretty good mentally. I haven't. Um, self-care. We need you and your health important to us. Thank you. You know, I have had a horrible, I had a horrible year. I'm doing a lot better. Um, it's hard seeing therapists because we have to do online stuff right now. Um, so all that's got a little bit confusing. Um, but I am doing the best to take care of myself. And my therapist has really taught me to, to, to look out for the, uh, warning signs when I get small warning signs and, uh, to confront those and reach out to her or reach out to someone when, when those warning signs come up. So I'm doing my best to take care of myself. I'm in a much better place uh, mentally than I've ever been. So thank you. Really lots of beautiful comments. So maybe I'll try to come back and, or after this is, um, this is done and just answer some of these, you know, just on Facebook. Yeah. My back is killing me. Thank you. Philip, it is just sitting does not even feel good. And I just had a friend who told me I need to walk around. And that's the last thing you want to do when you have a pain in the back. All right, guys. I'm seeing everybody say later. Later, Dan. Uh, great to hear that. So, hey, everybody. Um, thanks for listening today. Glad we can be here. Glad we can be part of community. Thank you for all your questions. Um, we'll try some, some uh, different ways. Hopefully, I'll be back at with Caleb next week and, uh, have a new sermon for you. Um, Hey, listen, um, Caleb's out of work. He could use your support, but I know a lot of us are out of work. Um, listen, revolution depends on your guys' support. If you want to go to revolutionchurch.com, even a tiny donation helps keep us going. Um, but we get it. We get things are tough right now. So, and I'm not going to promise you're going to be a millionaire. If you give us, you know, a hundred bucks, that's not going to happen. Um, but it definitely helps us continue to do this and be there for you. And uh, But you know what? We're going to do whatever we need to do. So thanks a lot. Good luck, folks. Wash your hands. Only touch your face in the house. And then wash your hands again and then stop touching your face. All right. Love you so much. Good luck out there. And uh, stay posted. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hi, I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like The Sacred Collective. So, that's the first, that's like chapter one and two and three. Yeah. There's so many questions I've yeah. ask. Caleb, do you... I, I did have a question, um... This is kind of personal. If you don't want to answer, you obviously don't have to. I was just curious. Like you, you said, you were falling in love because obviously there were you had committed or you were in the process of committing to being a nun, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot on the line there. And so I'm just curious, what was so strong about your attraction? What it sounds like, what attracted you to um, wanting to be a nun uh, has a lot to do with you know being compassionate and caring. Yeah, and it sounds like that bled into all the the adoption, the foster care, and things like that. Were those traits that you that you saw in Carol that attracted you so much to her? Um, she's strong. She's really strong, and all of the values that I have were her exact values too. Uh-huh. And we complemented each other a lot in that, like she's really practical, and I'm probably more excited. Uh-huh. Let's go do this, and uh-huh. and um, so we really balanced each other really well. Um, but I think her strong commitment to justice and god Mm -hmm. um and 
She's awesome. As mm-hmm. one of the people at church said, she is just a little bundle of awesome. <laughs> and she is. That's you great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. and I, 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 but I was aware, like I was actually sitting in church at like 6.30 in the morning, and um, Carol was playing guitar, mm. and I'm sitting in the pews. And I just thought, she's so stunning. Mm. And I just thought, everybody has got to be noticing how stunning she is. And so I like I look around thinking everybody's going to be staring at Carol because she's so awesome. <laughs> and uh, in fact, all of them are like looking at their Bibles, praying their rosary, looking at their toes, looking at the priest, mm. whatever. And I was like, duh, they're all nuns. Of course they're not looking at Carol. They're <laughs> praying. You know, we're in the middle of Mass here. Right. So um, it was just like, oh, Kathy, mm. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, falling in love. So, wow. yeah. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>